0: listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast where experts share experiences and the latest thinking on mental health and psychology. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Mental Health podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Howard, and I want to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp. Get a week free by visiting betterhelp.com slash psychcentral. Calling into the show today, we have certified life coach Mike Bayer, who is often called Coach Mike. He not only has decades of experience in the mental health space as a professional, but has dealt personally with mental health challenges. Coach Mike is a New York Times bestselling author and the first ever regular contributor to the Dr. Phil Show. Coach Mike, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Gabe.
0: Today, we're going to be discussing your new book, One Decision, The First Step to a Better Life, specifically the premise that by being your best self, you can make more authentic decisions. Now, how does an authentic decision differ from a plain old regular decision?
1: Well, that's a good question. And I think it's a struggle of everyone because we make over 35,000 decisions a day. So it's really figuring out, okay, what decisions really matter? when I talk about authentic decisions or making a decision from your best self, making a decision from a place of who you truly are. So in terms of someone identifying who their best self is, I help them create a character avatar that represents their best self. So in my case, it's a wizard named Merlin.
0: I love it. I love
1: wizards, they're all over my house. I love it. Yeah. So like I have a wizard tattooed on my shoulder to remind me to be my best self. And first it's just helping someone understand who they truly are authentically, that they don't need to uh, do some big exercise when they're in the moment of crises or stress or struggle. Or once someone identifies who their best self is, it's a pretty quick resource someone can tap into.
0: Do you find that by working with people that the actual root cause is ever simple or is it always major?
1: I find that it's more almost thematic and it spreads across All area of a person's life. So somebody may say, Oh, I I need to make more money. But usually if you peel back a bit, it's they want to feel more safe or secure in their life. When we take it a step further and look at the other areas of a person's life, that area or that sense of not feeling safe or secure kind of crosses a lot of different areas. They may not feel like that in their social life. They may not feel like that in their relationship. What is that theme and how can we kind of rewrite or change the story?
0: Do you find the way that the things present impede people from getting help? Like, let's use the money example. If somebody says, oh, I need to make more money. Somebody says, ah, he's fine. He's got enough money. He doesn't need it. And therefore, they're not helping the person be more safe, secure, but they're sort of having two different conversations, right? So the way things present can impede a person from getting real help or making progress.
1: Yeah, I think I think whenever we need help, often it's because we don't know what the solution is. And with anything, like when there's a problem or something, you know, for a lot of us, me included, there could be something that circles our heads week after week. It could be some insecurity or fear or what have you. And it's often... We have blind spots. When something's not working, we don't know what the solution is. So often we don't really even know what the problem is.
0: And then, of course, we can't articulate it to others.
1: Yeah. And and that's why personal growth and reading books and, you know, the way I write is as if I'm working with someone as their life coach. I try to create as many exercises that hopefully can shake out what is going to help someone improve their life. You know, other authors may just write from a place of being very inspiring. My kind of strategy is more meeting someone where they're at and helping them assess, come to some new awareness, and then have an action plan to change.
0: I want to jump back to something that you mentioned a little earlier. You said that we make 35,000 decisions a day. Now, your book has a way to organize all of those decisions. We've got autopilot decisions, conscious decisions, and authentic decisions. Can you tell us the differences?
1: So autopilot decisions are decisions we make just every day. Our bodies just do them. We go to sleep. We get hungry. We need to eat food. Conscious decisions would be okay, what am I consciously putting in my body? So I'm not just going to eat anything, but what am I going to kind of eat that's going to maybe nourish me? And authentic decisions would be making decisions that line up with your lifestyle, who you are, what you're trying to achieve, what you're trying to get to. And overall are decisions that you can make from a place of letting go of the outcome.
0: Along those same lines, is there one decision that can change the trajectory of our lives? And and if there is, what is that decision?
1: Everything starts with one decision. Any change happens with one decision. And the single and most important decision that someone can make is the decision to be themselves throughout the day. And when I say be yourself throughout the day, it's consciously making decisions from who you truly are, not what others want you to be what you're not trying to avoid, but purely from a place of authenticity. And I know it sounds kind of like, well, that sounds really easy, but I don't know who I am. That's where in one decision, we really get a clear roadmap for who you are and how do we get from point A to point B.
0: Let's talk about fear, anxiety, and stress for a moment. We all struggle, at least sometimes, with fear, anxiety, and stress, and and depression as well. These struggles are very real. So aren't these things also a part of our authentic selves?
1: Well, I think it depends what it is. There are real fears. Like anxiety is the fear of something that will happen. It creates a story. You know, I talk about one decision, this idea of fortune telling the future. We can't control the future. But if I'm afraid of, let's say, losing my job or that person's going to reject me, if Now the person may not be interested. They could say, Hey, I don't want to be with you. But if you show up authentically, you can handle it in a more mature way. You can look at it through a different lens. And I don't think anxiety is a part of being authentic. I think that's like unresolved fear, but there's degrees. There's so many degrees to anxiety. And it's also how negatively does it impact your life? I think anyone with kids is going to have some degree of anxiety because they're trying to keep their kids safe. But there's also a difference between trying to keep them safe and trying to keep it perfect.
0: Would it be fair to say that our society confuses anxiety and worry? A- anxiety is this real deep-seated psychological symptom, or it's it's an illness- all in of itself, being worried that your kids aren't okay, or that they're not going to grow up to be good. That's just part of the human experience, right? They're similar, maybe, but not, not quite.
1: You bring up a great point because the terms anxiety and depression have become so mainstream that I don't believe culture really thinks of anxiety as a clinical diagnosis or a clinical condition. If someone says, yeah, I feel anxious, that's like almost, the same as them going, oh, I'm worried. It kind of takes away from someone who really is has debilitating anxiety. That person's a lot different than a parent worrying about their kid and getting on the bus.
0: Absolutely, and I I only bring that up because you know I'm I'm 44 years old and my grandma worries about me and. I don't want to cure that. There's this little part of me that's like, I love that my grandmother wakes up every morning and worries about whether or not I'm happy. I I think that makes us bonded that she's still thinking about me all these years later as if I'm, you know, five but if somebody said, hey, that's anxiety, that's a symptom, you need to get her to a doctor, well, that, that changes that bond and that love and it turns it into something sinister and scary and also would imply that my grandmother has suffered every day since I was born. Is that why it's important to understand what part is authentic, my grandmother loves me, and what part is not authentic if she were having symptoms of a, of a major mental illness?
1: Well, also it's, it's helpful just to see other negative consequences. It would be one thing if your grandma is worried about you being safe, insists on staying at your house, sleeping in your bedroom and uh, giving <laughs> up her health. There's no negative consequences going on. It's not affecting anyone poorly. There's nothing wrong with it. I think the challenge though is figuring out that line between this requires somebody actually seeking help and this is just part of life.
0: We'll be back in a moment after we hear from our sponsors. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know managing my mental health and a busy recording schedule seemed impossible until I found BetterHelp Online Therapy. They can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. Just visit BetterHelp.com slash to save 10% and get a week free that's better slash psychcentral. Join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health.
1: Hey, everyone. My name is Rachel Star Withers, and I live with schizophrenia. I'm also the host of Inside Schizophrenia, a podcast that dives deep into all things schizophrenia, featuring personal experiences and experts to help you better understand and navigate schizophrenia. Inside Schizophrenia is a Psych Central and Healthline Media podcast, and we're available right now on your favorite podcast player. Check us out.
0: And we're back with New York Times bestselling author Mike Bayer discussing how to be your best self and make more authentic decisions. You know, Coach Mike, there are a ton of self-help books that can get you motivated and fired up. Your book is inspirational. But what I like about it is that it focuses on concrete tools and exercises. Why did you decide to shape the book this way?
1: I've been in mental health now for over 18 years. I founded a treatment center over 15 years ago. I'm the CEO still today. I did interventions for years. I was a counselor. I've worked in so many different capacities in mental health. And what I believe or what I've seen is to help someone really make a change in their own life. You have to help somebody look within themselves and put pen to paper and to make changes so they actually are taking action. It would be a wonderful thing if we could just change in life by thinking differently. But from my experience, it takes that next step of making a decision to act differently, to do something differently. If I really wanna help people improve their lives, I have to figure out how to meet them where they're at and get them to make changes that they're choosing. I know I'm actually making more change for people than reading a book that just inspires them.
0: Coach Mike, what is your favorite exercise from the book? And and can you walk our audience through it?
1: Gosh, my favorite exercise... I I get into this section, which I think is timely, that I talk about getting from being a victim to a victor. I'm like, this is me narcissistically loving myself right now. But I like how I presented how we all show up at different parts in our life with being kind of a victim. Victim is a term that is widely used and widely overused. When we complain when we feel like people aren't doing things a certain type of way or when we criticize others. What I tapped into was how that can mirror actually how we show up as being a victim in our own life. And no one likes being called a victim. If they want to be committed to being a victim, they just end up forever struggling. so give someone a shot and create some exercises so they can edit or change parts of their life with becoming a victor you can make big change i mean look i i love helping people create their anti-self that part of them that's keeping them from being their best self like mine's a male witch named angelos male witches you never really see them they don't seem to have any friends and they get really cranky and everything i love helping people create their anti-self i create something called the boogeyman when we're kids we're afraid of whatever it is, darkness, something under the bed, whatever happened in our childhood, it evolved. You know, at a younger time in our life, we may think the kids don't like me. Say we're not popular when we're younger. And then all of a sudden we evolve a little bit. The story becomes, I won't get accepted into those colleges or I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough then all of a sudden we're 40 years old and we think no one's going to hire me. And it's the evolution of what I call the boogeyman. So I like helping people figure out is the boogeyman still living in their life today?
0: One of the things that you've talked about is, you know, creating avatars. You mentioned the wizard, you mentioned the witch and to a pessimist listening to this, they'd be like, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm not a teenager. I'm not playing Dungeons and Dragons. I, I'm not creating these things. From a psychological perspective, what is the benefit to your mental health and, and how do you use this to move forward? Because I'm assuming that you're not suggesting that people show up at work and say, hey, I'm a I'm a wizard.
1: <laughs> Listen, I, let me tell you, I've worked with Fortune 50 companies, Dallas Cowboys top stars, very type A executive. And I've all had them do it, this exercise. Some are pessimistic and some are not. What it helps reveal, see, everyone authentically has their own version if they allow themselves to do it. Like I just did this for a group called Ahead, a software company. There was a thousand people on it two weeks ago and I took them through this exercise. And I do have to preface it and say, Some of you are going to dig this. Some of you are going to be like, this is lame. Like, what am I, a little kid? But the reality is what it creates is a resource. When you can add humor to that part of you that shows up in your life, that other people who are close to you know when that part of you shows up, it's more difficult to just go, Hey, you're acting angry. Yeah, I'm acting angry. Person gets defensive. But if I say, "Man, you're acting like whatever their anti-self is, it's a little funny, and you can really deflate the ego and the grandiosity and the shame and the blame. You know, I even had Dr. Phil do it. He created <laughs> it. So Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner do it with me on um, They're friends of mine, and we filmed it, and look, I'm 41 years old, and my best self's a wizard. I'll look in the mirror and I'll look myself in the eyes and I'll be like, be your best, be your best self. And when I need to get a little more grounded, I'll be like, be your wizard. He's wise. He's compassionate. He's loving. He's fun. People love to be around him. That allows me to go, all right, let me sink into who I really am. If I just look in the mirror and go, I'm lovable, I'm great. It it just doesn't work for me. And I, I don't see it working for others. Well, for example, my last book, Jennifer Lopez is on the back. She gave me endorsement. She's a friend of mine. J Lo's a character, right? Who she is day to day is not the same woman she is on stage, but it's a part of her that she taps into. And when we're all able to do it, it's like tapping into our own superstar.
0: It sort of reminds me of how we discuss our private self, our public self, our excitable self, our brave self. This concept has been around, I think, for a while, but you've made it cooler and more relatable.
1: And it's less clinical. Yeah, it's a lot cooler. I had a whole tattoo parlor do it. Artists and street artists. And the greatest thing about it and why I love it so much is everyone's authentically different. And everyone's best self and anti-self is always different. And no two drawings look alike. It could be a cloud. It could be a line. But when I tap into someone with their anti-self and I go, well, what is that thing about you that is showing up in your life right now that is bothering you? Or when was the last situation you got into where afterwards you went, why did I behave like that? Or, God, I don't like it when I'm like that. But you did it again. You can't just go, okay, don't do it again. Well, what was that do? We do it again because we don't have any resource or tools to get with it. My style is finding humor in the darkest of places. When you can help someone laugh and feel good about themselves and smile and have their light turn on a little bit, when they are in a state of mind where they haven't felt that emotion in a few weeks, I find that's when change happens. And so if you can help someone find a little bit of humor in looking at that part of themselves that they actually hate at times. There's so many, and I could rant about this, but there's so much where these people are like, mental health, stigma, you know, all this stuff. Half the people shouldn't even be talking about it because they don't even work they don't even work in mental health. But part of the stigma is you have this idea that it can't be fun. Working on yourself is fun. It's cool. Getting to the other side of your fears is fun and cool. If it always has to be this painful process I don't think a lot of people I'd work with would work with me.
0: No, I I absolutely love it. I I run a Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group, and and it's called Bipolar Depression Positive Outlook Group. And I get angry emails from people, and they're like, there's nothing positive about bipolar and depression. And on one hand, I I very much want to write them back and say, I completely agree. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, let's talk about positives. Positives are getting into the doctor. Positives are six months worth of recovery. Positives are you know, wrecked a relationship when you were manic, depressed, anxious, whatever symptom, and then repaired it. Like, that's what I mean. Let's find positive ways to move forward. And I like what you said about it not being clinical, because clinical is scary. It's medical, and it's difficult to remember. I can remember, all right, Gabe, you're going for a job interview, be a wizard. Like, I can remember that, versus, all right, Gabe, you're going for a job interview, be professional. Well, what does professional mean? Well, like you know, like like act right. Well, like what does that mean? Well, you know like like you're at a job interview. Well, how do I do that? I don't know. Act act like a wizard is that's like a much cooler <laughs> shorthand, right? And I I've stolen your wizard. I want everybody to know that I'm picking the mad hatter. As I understand it, that's how it works, right?
1: The reality is it's whatever works for a person. With coaching, it's a little more like I'm right alongside of you. I'm checking in with you beforehand. I'm checking in with you afterward. Tell yeah, let's let's congratulate you and celebrate. You know, and with clinical, it's for many reasons, it's gonna be more like exploring and healing and resolving. Now, when somebody has to be on medications or you were saying with being bipolar, you know, that's gonna be a different context and construct. Like everyone's we're always evolving, and it's just figuring out authentically for a person what works for them. I find a lot of people, I don't know where they learned this story, but they believed if it didn't work the first, second, or third time, that it's just not going to work for them. When the reality is, gosh, me, I've probably been to 20 different therapists through the years. People maybe blame themselves when things don't work out, but you just got to keep trying new approaches. I mean, I've had so many different ways of exercising. Mental health to me is the same thing as physical health.
0: I could not agree more. I have no earthly idea why we separate out mental health and physical health. Why can't we just have health? Uh, Our brains live in our bodies, people. Yeah. I wanna end like on a really positive and high note because I, I know you're that guy. You're you're a coach. What inspiration do you have for our listeners as they move on from inside mental health into the rest of their day?
1: Well, I find that people are more capable than they believe they are. You, me, whoever's listening, has the opportunity to push ourselves. Pushing ourselves is never comfortable. It feels okay to play it safe. Often we don't do things because we feel like we're not going to be very good at them. But no one is good at something. It takes years to become an expert in anything. I would really just encourage people to realize they're more capable of doing more in their life and to take it easy on themselves and realize that no one was good the first time they did it.
0: Coach Mike, thank you so much. Now, your book, One Decision, The First Step to a Better Life is probably available on Amazon.com, but where else can folks find it?
1: Yep, Amazon, the audio is available, Target, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and pretty much anywhere books are sold.
0: Do you have your website? Uh,
1: Yeah, website's coachmikebear.com, and then my podcast is Always Evolving.
0: Thank you so much, Coach Mike, for being here. And to all of the Inside Mental Health listeners, we literally can't do the show without all of you. Wherever you downloaded this podcast, please subscribe. Please rate, rank, and review. Take a minute and tell other people why they should listen and share us on social media. My name is Gabe Howard, and I'm a nationally recognized public speaker and the author of Mental Illness is an Asshole, which of course is available on Amazon.com, or you can grab a signed copy for less money directly from me and check out my website over at GabeHoward.com. We'll see everybody next Thursday. You've been listening to Inside Mental Health. A Psych Central podcast from Healthline Media. Have a topic or guest suggestion? Email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com/slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening.